Blog Talk Radio. Well, it's been an interesting week in politics, but you wouldn't know it from the coverage Donald Trump has been getting. And that's why we're here. Good day and welcome to Momocrats Mama Chat, our weekly political chat fest brought to you by BubbleGenius.com. I'm Donna Schwartz-Mills, also known as SoCal Mom, and I'm here today with Cinematic of K-12 News Network and Kara Lee from CrooksLiars.com. Kara Lee, you're here today. <laughs> I'm here today. I'm here Yay. Today. <laughs> good morning, good morning, everybody. So, oh. well, should we just get the birther nonsense out of the way? <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. haven't we been trying to do that for weeks? Yeah, I, I, I didn't even watch any of the the coverage. I knew it would just annoy me too much. So uh, apparently Donald Trump got on and filibustered on TV and blah blah blah, and then President Obama came on and said, you know, just cool your jets, everybody. This is like a phenomenal waste of time, and we have real issues that we need to be dealing with. Is that a fair <laughs> summary? <laughs> That's a good That's one. A pretty good summary. Let, let me okay. add a couple of things to that. Um, timing is everything, and our president had great timing because this morning um, Donald Trump planned to open his New Hampshire campaign headquarters with great hoo-ha and fanfare, and um, he got completely upstaged. <laughs> All the media switched over to the president's conference, which happened to be at the very same time. Oh, my. Sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally sweet. Plus, you know, we all know this isn't going to satisfy anybody who doesn't want to be satisfied, you know. But there is a point um, that um, was made, and that is that this was turning into another swift boat uh, campaign, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it, just nipping it in the bud now takes care of that. I mean, you know, yeah. I double dog there anybody to put on uh, it, it, to run any ads about uh, the president's birthplace because they will just look like the fools that they are. And um, so, so I mean, really, you know, it, it's a, it's done. It's ridiculous. Now, what's interesting is you're hearing a lot of um, the Republicans that want to not be birthers but still want to find something negative are all talking about how it's all Hillary's fault that this is an issue at all. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Well, never Hillary campaign that originally raised the issue um, back in the day, you know, when she was throwing Mm -hmm. all the spaghetti on the wall um, back in the primaries, they raised the issue. Of course, it was laid to rest, but, you know, it got some traction and some likes with wing nuts, and they run with it. And then Republicans have made the unfortunate choice to focus on that instead of what really matters to people, you know. Um, and what really matters to people is is happening in town halls across the nation, mm-hmm. even as we speak. <laughs> yeah. I think people are really mad about the possibility that Medicare could disappear for people under 55. And to the credit of people over 55, they're really mad at that implication also. Yes. I was afraid that they would just go, well, I'm fine. I don't care about the rest of you. But that does not seem to be the case. And I'm really pleased to see that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, somebody pointed out that grandparents are caretakers. Yeah. More than ever. And so Mm -hmm. those grandparents on Medicare have to struggle with their grandchildren's health care. Yes. And so they know the difference between what they have and what it's like to deal with insurance companies. Yeah. And I I think that's pretty straight straight up, you know, that... so as hard as Republicans have tried to start a generational war, which they have definitely tried to do, it's mm-hmm. not working. Yeah, yeah. It is ab- I, I have to confess to feeling a little bit of glee seeing Paul Ryan get hammered at his town hall. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's nice you know, to see the shoe on the other foot. It, it is nice to see the shoe on the other foot. And um, yesterday, Nicole Sandler, I don't know if you guys listened to her show, she oh, was yeah. doing a lot for Randy Rhodes, was arrested at Alan West Town Hall. That's right. For daring to ask no. her. Oh, yeah. Yes, and, and apparently um, that the same Alan West who said that kind of a variation on the Hillary Nutcracker argument, which is that liberal women are <laughs> why... Men are suffering in this recession, having a man session. So, uh, you know, little did we all realize that we liberal women were the cause of that, right? I mean, it's just so logical and what, you know. <laughs> oh, he said a lot more than that. Yeah, no, a lot more than that. But that was kind I mean, of like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I mean, he really put into words exactly what this assault on women's health issues has been about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these these uppity women want to take control of their bodies and don't want to stay pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen, and they are causing all the problems. That's why we have a recession. Mm-hmm. I wonder what <clears throat> Dana Lash thinks of that. <clears throat> Because <laughs> we know she's been so vocal in support of Colonel Allen West or whatever his military title is there. You know, <laughs> he, he is just a complete wacko. Uh, the guy is insane. Uh, but for some reason, he manages to attract money every time that he opens his mouth. So that's why they let him keep talking. But yeah. he's... Uh, yeah. He's just bizarro, but yesterday he decided he didn't want to um, take questions that weren't Mm pre-screened. So he had, yeah, so he had a couple of people from Calvary Chapel screening the questions. And um, they didn't, and Nicole Sandler, to her credit, wasn't going to, you know, be ignored and and wasn't going to allow the sanitized questions. So she stood up and she asked some questions and um, he had her escorted out by the police and arrested. Nice, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's a constituent. I mean, you know, they're trying to say she's a muckraker and, and everything, but she lives in his district. Yes. He is her congressman. Yes, and she has an absolute so she had right a right to be there. Mm-hmm. And to Absolutely. ask the question, especially right. if he wasn't answering any. <laughs> which is a lot of these people. We saw this in the 2010 midterm elections where what seemed to me to be a record number of Republican candidates flat out refused to go to debates. So they refused to go to debates, and here they are in town halls, and the tough questions are being leveled at them, and their feet are being held to the fire for something that they all voted on, and now suddenly they don't want to talk to anybody. I don't think that's well, how democracy works. <laughs> 
seeing a yeah. lot of instances where you know democracy is not being uh, being called up on. You know, they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of instances like that, and mm-hmm. you know, the crazy thing is that they keep proving again and again that the more times you tell a lie, the more people believe it. Mm-hmm. And that brings us back to the whole birther thing, which you know should should never have gotten any traction at all. And now Trump is calling for Obama to release his college transcripts because he's repeating the early Tate's meme that he is some kind of Muslim Manchurian candidate who wasn't <laughs> a good enough student to get into the Ivy Leagues. Has anyone uh, has anyone demanded proof that Donald Trump is even, a, 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 you know, Homo sapiens? At the end of the show, I'm going to throw a challenge down to Sarah Palin, who echoed Trump yesterday on Fox. Yes, I would like to see and, someone else's birth certificate. Well, Sarah yeah, well, needs I to got, play catch up. <laughs> Now, I don't want to be accused of being a, a, a trig birther, but you know, if we're if we're going to be all about 100% disclosure here, I don't recall seeing Sarah Palin's medical records in full, which I believe they were released like at the literally at the 11th hour, right before election day, you know, the eve of, a, of of the election, and that to me is highly unusual for a vice presidential candidate to not, you know, go through that sort of vetting of like a you know clean bill of health. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, the whole the whole trig birther thing was was ridiculous too. It is. So, you know, and I I don't advocate you know doing the same thing you know just because they're being stupid. <laughs> um, no, I I I don't either. And plus, I you know I, I think that as women we have to respect. Um, yeah. She said she had. I mean, it, there, there's enough people that have confirmed that she was pregnant. Number one, and number two, you know, why, why bring an innocent little kid into that? that yeah. I, I feel yeah. that you know, that's just not right. And I, I don't like what they've done to the president. But I, that the whole trick thing just bugs me that that people are still hammering at that. And yeah. you know, Andrew Sullivan being right at the forefront of that whole thing. So. I, yeah, I'm not a real fan of that. However, you know, I do think that uh, there are other issues, aside from trig, that Sarah Palin should uh, be speaking for, which, like I said at the end of this podcast, I will be throwing down my challenge. Oh, awesome. <laughs> okay. We have to make wait. sure that we make room for that. I know. Um, yeah. I'd like to say one last thing about Trump. Mm-hmm. And that the Washington Post today did a study of um, all the people that Trump has donated to politically over the years. I saw that. And on the he Facebook has given, page. yes, he has given way more money to Democrats, and not just Democrats in New York, but national Democrats um, over the years than through Republicans, which should not, probably won't play well with the Republican base. I just think that is hilarious. I just think that's hilarious. This man is like yeah. a total waste of time. He's like wasting <laughs> so much time already. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you know, I have really, new campaign headquarters. <laughs> I just think that, you know, uh, it's it's um 
there's just so much ridiculousness. I mean, the the racial aspect really is infuriating, but I mean, it's like how can you take this person seriously? You know, he's a joke. He's such a joke. And I know that there's going to be really amazing comedy coming out of this, but at the same time, it really kills me because there really is so much more that's important to talk about in this country than, yeah. um, you know, a man whose campaign could fall apart in a strong wind, <laughs> shall we say. Um, you know, so I, maybe we've given him our 12 minutes and we can talk about other things too. But we just, of course, well, have to note the big news of the morning. Okay, <laughs> what do you want to talk about, uh, Sim? Well, um, I'm I'm still very much uh, in, embroiled in this whole California state effort to get our um, revenues extended past June 30th. So I just wanted to really, um, you know, kind of, give a little note to people that, um, especially for the Californians listening, if there are any, that um, there are going to be a number of different kinds of um, protests and demonstrations and, you know, sort of public events where people can come out in support of public education because we've had $18 billion over the past three years cut from K-12 through education. And we have, you know, community colleges, um some of which are kind of facing the prospect of having to close down, you know, major parts of of the community co- community college. We've had like you That's know giant, giant increases in tuition, um, and uh, you know per credit hour, I think at community colleges it went up from twenty six dollars a credit hour to thirty six dollars a credit hour, which doesn't seem like much, but when you're taking twenty credit hours, it adds up. Yeah. You know, it adds up. Yeah. So. Um, all these kinds of things are going on. We have not, you know, I'm working with various grassroots parent groups, and we have not given up on either getting a vote to the public somehow to to vote on this um, or to move the legislature to the point where we can get the revenue extension passed by a two-thirds vote. Now, it's uphill either way because there needs to be a two-thirds vote, you know, for, for them to, to refer it to the public for a vote. But, you know, it, it's it's difficult either way, a direct vote or the public vote. But, you know, I, we, we cannot, there's just nothing left to cut. There's nothing left to cut. And I think this story, unfortunately, is being echoed around the country in terms of what um, state legislatures are up to and, um, you know, the whole rhetoric of budget cut crisis. And as we saw in Wisconsin, you know, if Governor Walker had not given away sort of corporate tax benefits or, you know, what have you to to big business, then, you know, there w- really wouldn't have been the quote-unquote crisis that they're facing in Wisconsin now. Um, right. You know, so there's there's ways in which some of the crisis is manufactured. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So that, it, it, that's just been obsessed with that. So <laughs> it has to happen Then where can we 30th. get more, for those of us in California, where can we get more information about um, events happening in our community. Okay, there is a um there's a website called State of Emergency and that is um the California Teachers Association. They've been organizing a lot of things coming up next week is Teacher Appreciation Week and so they're really going out strong trying to educate, you know, the parents in their community like, "Hey, if there's $750 le- less spent per pupil, what that adds up to be is more kids in the classroom per teacher, bigger class sizes. And that's, as we know, it's 
not good for kids. It's not good for um, learning, you know, the learning experience to be one in a crowd of 30 or 40 kids per one teacher. So teachers are trying to educate the community as to what's at stake on the quality of education that's at stake. And then Educate Our State is another big um, parent, you know, grassroots group that is putting out um, all kinds of alerts and, uh, you know, targeting various people that you might want to call, including your own state senator or assembly person if you're in a red district. So those kinds of things. I've blogged about it extensively on K-12 News Network, so there's a post up there, uh, including, you know, naming (laughs) the senators and assembly people who have made mutters about, well, they might possibly, you know, vote yes on something. We're not sure what, but, you know, to urge them to look to the future of California's kids and protect that. So um, those are sort of three main areas where people can go to find out what's happening. And actually, at K-12 News Network, this is a little bit of a, a sort of a sneak revelation, but we're actually working on a tool which we're going to be releasing very soon. K-12 News Network and Parents for Great Education, another great um uh, parent group based up in the Bay Area, which has been very active on this. Um, we're releasing a tool that will help parents see, you know, per pupil spending in your school district. So you can, you know, kind of click on a map and see, you know, what what the reality is. If we do not get existing taxes extended for another five-year period, so look for that. <laughs> It'll be released soon. One of the things that we really have. To- in this country, in my opinion, is start to to get people to understand that taxes are not evil, that they pay for things like kids being educated, right, and healthcare, and and things like that. And um, you know, the the whole taxes are evil thing, and the whole we're in a crisis thing, is is so manufactured. I'm not saying that there aren't issues and that there aren't. Uh, that there isn't a revenue problem. There is a revenue problem. And but we created it. it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a revenue problem because people think that paying taxes is such a terrible thing, and it, it, yeah. it's not a terrible thing. I mean, if you could break it down to say, you know, for if you pay $35 a year goes to, you know, funding these schools or whatever that number is in your tax bill, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. uh, it's not that terrible it, it's not this horrible terrible thing that um that republicans make it out to be and people have got to um and, and the president could help with this by the way by not constantly you know making it a spending cut issue and mm-hmm. and focusing more on the the tax part of things um because yeah. Yeah. we we live in a society i mean let's quit talking you know pretending that we all live in our little individual bubbles we live in a society where we're better off if we have educated kids and if we have schools that aren't overcrowded and if we have teachers yeah. that have the freedom to teach, um, you know, to their kids' individual abilities and talents. And, and if we have our emergency rooms open to people who are in actual need of emergency services and right. if public mm-hmm. health is such that, you know, people get the the medical care that they need and preventive care that they need, which is cheaper than waiting until they're ill. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's so interesting is that I did a post a long time ago in the middle of the um, 
healthcare reform debate, and I noted that several states, I think actually it was like a handful, five to seven of them um, in all, had some kind of single-payer legislation, and these were big states, you know. We just heard recently that Vermont passed single-payer in their state, and so, you know, Governor Dean's state was sort of like, okay, well, that's a gimme, you know. But other states, like California, for example, it's now come back into the state legislature. We've passed it twice before in both houses, the Assembly and the State Senate, and both times prior to this, it's been rejected. It's been vetoed by Governor Schwarzenegger. So now we have a totally different governor. You know, if all goes well, I mean, and cross our fingers, knock on wood, you know, it's passed both houses before. Let's hope, you know, let's hope that third time is the is the charm. We could actually have single payer in this state, and that would do so much in terms of reducing, you know, costs because I think you'd be aggregating all of those, the buying power and sort of the, you know, the the um, the sort of power of, of, of um, taking, you know, a, a broad base of everyone included in this in this health care, and then, you know, it would also kind of give the health, in, the private health insurers a little pause for, <laughs> pause for thought. But, um, but you know, I, I'm kind of surprised that we heard so much about how the public option was a money-saving thing. There was a lot of emphasis on how it would really kind of bring down what government spends on health care, what individual people spend on health care. And so I'm kind of surprised that that sort of fell off the debate. And I would really like to, yeah. you know, see that again, you know. That and uh, negotiating bulk rates on prescription drugs. Yes, yes, yes. Medicare Part D, that needs to be completely changed. Right. Well, you know, the reason that the Cat Food Commission wasn't able to get a majority vote on their proposals was because on the right, the right opposed the public option, which was part of the final report, mm-hmm. and the left opposed the Social Security um, cuts as they should have. So, so you have two polarizing issues going on with regard to budget. And, and so, on the the public option would be the polarizing issue on our side, and the social security cuts on their side. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't think you saw the public option come back as part of the debate because it would have, I'm afraid, subsumed everything again. You know, yeah. um, and it would it, it would have ended up in the same kind of stalemate that we got with the Cat Food Commission, which, by the way, I'm glad we got that stalemate. But it was a stalemate, and that's because there was there was too broad of a spectrum for any for a majority. Actually, they needed a supermajority, I think, to agree on yeah. anything. Well, so, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just pointing out that now that we've all discovered that we really care about Medicare, <laughs> wouldn't this be kind of an interesting opportunity to sort of bring, maybe start edging that, you know, the cost savings arguments for single payer, i.e. Medicare, you know, back Medicare for all. Attention. Yeah, you know, isn't that, isn't that kind of interesting? Um that you know now we've all now that Medicare has been threatened by turning it into vouchers, <laughs> you know we're sort of realizing like, hey, no, we actually care about this a lot. Don't take it away, you know. Yeah, I think we need to remind all the seniors that the Republicans screaming that the Democrats' health care reform was all about taking Medicare away from them was not the truth, and it's the other side that is trying to take Medicare away from them. Mhm. Yeah. 
And I think the other point that Carolee was making about how, you know, taxes, i.e. revenue, pays mm-hmm. for things that we actually like and use. And yes. and I think, you know, yes, it's a it's <clears throat> too bad that President Obama seems on too many occasions to maybe have fallen to, into that sort of framing of like, oh, deficits, uh-oh, you know, we need to make cuts. But um, I thought a really skillful sort of jiu-jitsu that he did recently was confronting uh, Boehner in the House, (laughs) ending oil subsidies and pointing out Mm -hmm. that, you know, we've been hearing about record quarterly profits from Exxon and other, you know, big oil companies for how many years now? (laughs) How many years? You know, it's not even like news anymore. It's like on a regular basis, every quarter, they just make billions more than they did before. And now... The, you know, gas prices edging up, you know, for the summer, of course, in its usual seasonal trend. Uh, you know, I was really, really happy to see President Obama come out and say, you know, if you're doing so darn well, you don't need a subsidy, do you? <laughs> you know, so that was really refreshing. That's the truth. That was really refreshing. So, yes, the overall frame of, you know, having to fit yourself into a cuts framework is not good, but I thought that was... A, a good way of him to sort of punch, you know, counterpunch and and flip that energy in a way that that I totally approved of. So yeah, I would also like to point out that this rise in gas prices has nothing to do with no with with limited supply right now. Um, it's speculation. You know, the unrest in the Middle East and everybody is you know the the, the futures traders are jumping up the price of uh, barrels of oil, and that's what's happening. But, um, you know, when people start clamoring to dip into our emergency reserve, um, Obama was right to say, no, this is not what that was meant for. This is not a real um, scarcity. We don't have scarcity of oil right now. It's just speculation. It's bidding up the price. And you take that out of the mix, and there's no inflation problem. Right. And uh, the other thing to add to that is that um, the Department of Justice has opened an investigation on the speculation. Um, and so I don't know how long it would it would actually take. It'll probably take, you know, it's not going to help somebody tomorrow that they're opening up this investigation. No. But it does put on the speculators on notice that they're they're under scrutiny. And if we actually had a press in this country that Mm -hmm. wanted to do something that was actually valuable, they would go and do some in-depth investigative reporting on this Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) That's a pretty big if, if we had a press. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. Well, yeah. that's a yeah, that's a whole other topic for <laughs> ranting and discussion. <laughs> well, that's why you've got citizen bloggers and people like us coming out here and saying, "Hey, wait a minute! Did you guys see this piece of information? What about this piece of information? Because this is not getting out there in the mainstream." I was watching CNN the other night, and they were just, you know, talking to Trump. You know, and just giving him more and more time talking the burger lies. And what a waste, you know, when there's real news, real things happening out there. But it's, you know, it gets the ratings. 
Yeah. Well, something that has not been getting ratings but nevertheless has been starting to make a slow climb into people's consciousness is the fact that the Congressional Progressive Caucus released something in early April called the People's Budget. And they have a website now. Um, I don't have the Earl handy, but I think I posted it to the uh, MomCrats Facebook page if you want to go there and, and take a look. But, um, you know, we're starting to see op-eds by Paul Krugman saying that, hey, you know, this people's budget, you know, accounts for the deficit. It will, you know, kind of put us at, at sort of sort of zero us out uh, if we if we kind of take, you know, take this route. In 2021, it taxes the wealthy, it ends a lot of corporate loopholes, um, and it, you know, it saves a lot of money by bringing back, um, you know, our folks who are in Afghanistan and still in Iraq and so, so on and so forth. And so by eliminating a lot of that military spending, which I think is still something that, pe- that people, it's very hard for us to register, like, just how much money per day, you know, goes yeah. in. To those wars overseas. Now, granted, I mean, I'm I'm for spending that supports our veterans because we owe them services given what they have given, you know, for our country. But I think that's very different than paying money to sort of go into a uh, an endless kind of seemingly endless kind of endeavor where we're just not really sure where the goalposts are and you know the, the the definition of what success is what conclusion is is very wide open so um you know those are sort of two notable things about the people's budget and i think uh you know there's some really sensible things um proposed in there and so hopefully with Krugman, you know, putting putting a spotlight on it. Um, us, you know, telling people that, hey, did you see this? There's an alternative to the Ryan budget, this thing called the yeah. budget. And, you know, kind of digging down into the particulars, then hopefully we can all sort of push this into the limelight and, and get, you know, more and more people talking yeah. about it. Yeah, I mean, unlike the Ryan budget, the people's budget will eliminate the deficit in just 10 years. Yeah. Whereas the Ryan budget actually adds to it. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> Carolee, have you had a chance to take a look at that yet? I have. I've written about it too. I oh, wrote about okay. it because they released it, and uh, it probably deserves another blog post on it because um, it really is uh, an excellent budget. Although I think they are optimistic about the ability to just kind of end the spending in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, but I think that it's a better starting point. I mean, part of what's what's going on right now in the debate is that you have this really far right-wing budget, the, the Ryan budget, and then you have the president's budget, which is centrist and even a little bit too far to the right, in my opinion. Um, and it's not a good starting place. But if you took the the people's budget as, the, the starting place for our side and the Ryan budget is the starting place for their side, I think you come together on a compromise that makes more sense. What's worrying me is that we've got this, uh, you know, gang of six out there that's a bunch of conservatives and, and then Durbin who's suddenly been converted over into this, you know, deficit hawk. And it, it, and they're, they're driving the conversation into right – into the right 
and it, it doesn't have to be like that. If this budget does anything, it proves that it doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, it proves that, that you can actually do this. It can be done. It can be done responsibly. It can be done um, without harming the people who are least able to speak for themselves. And I really give them a lot of credit for um, what they've done with this budget. I know that they're having it scored by the CBO, and I, I, I can't wait to see what that score comes back as because yes. um, I believe that it's going to be a lot better than the Ryan budget. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I think I was seeing figures of, like, the Ryan budget would actually add $6 trillion to the deficit. On yeah. Our- my God, am I reading that right? <laughs> well, you know, again, it's that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that it's that fallacious thing where they want to cut taxes further on the wealthy on the theory that it's going to trickle down and create more jobs. And I'm so tired of hearing that. It's been proven wrong, and yet they keep saying that particular lie. Yeah, well, that's because I mean, I mean, their their owners require that of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> their owners. So, I just love how you just kind yeah. of lay it out there, Carolee, <laughs> so so nakedly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, they they have to say that because that's what what's required for them to say, uh, you know. And it's another one of those repeat a lie often enough, and you know, hope it yeah. becomes true. Um, we all know better. We we all know better because the last 30 years have proven that we all know better. I mean, you can't poll the people in this country and have 60% of them say that they don't believe that, you know, things are, are, are better for them than they were for their parents or that they're going to be better for their kids than they were for them and not understand that that goes right to the policies that have been in effect, these damn trickle-down things for the last, yeah. you know, 30 years. Well... I would like to take a few moments now to just uh, talk up our sponsors, Bubble Genius. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up, and they've got a really great Earth Mother gift pack, the Mother Scrubber Earth Mother gift pack, which would be an awesome gift. I wish my daughter would uh, buy this for me. It's got um, I'm Your Venus Soap on a Rope and Yo Mama Cocoa Butter Soap. And uh, peace, love, and happiness. Give me some tail mermaid soap and hippie stench artisan cream perfume. Hey. I just love the, the names of the products that they've <laughs> yes. got here. And, me um, too. I think we, yeah, you know, Sin. I think we saw these uh, on your Venus soaps. They're like fertility goddesses. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were great. Yeah, they're really cute, and it all smells so nice. And this gift packs in a heart-shaped little basket, and it's really cute, and it's just $40, and I think it'd make a perfect Mother's Day gift. Are you hinting? <laughs> I am, I, I am. I my husband doesn't, uh, my oh. husband doesn't listen to the show. So. Oh, well, maybe Carolyn and I will conspire to send you a basket after the show. <laughs> there you go. There you, know, you go. I, I, Decided this year that's what I'm doing for my my mom and my mother-in-law, but both. I'm gonna send those baskets instead of flowers because you know flowers die. 
um, yeah. and this is a, yeah. like a longer-lasting, fun gift that's just for them. Mm-hmm. And um, besides which, I, I, even if Bubble Genius weren't sponsoring this show, I, I just love her. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she really is. They, they both are. I love the Bubble Genius. Yeah. So support mm-hmm. them. They support us. And, you know, it's just a mutual admiration society here. BubbleGenius.com Check them out So um, Finn, Carolee What haven't we covered yet? Now we still have about 20 minutes to go That's probably more time than you need For your Sarah Palin bit Oh yeah, I don't need that much time for that But you know, maybe it would be worth um, Going back to what Finn was talking about With uh, what's going on in California and the budget, and pointing out that, um, again, that this is um, coordinated across states. I mean, what's going on in California is happening to us on the Republicans in the legislature blocking the ability to get this, you know, tax extenders onto a special ballot. But in other states where there's Republican governors, they're actually coordinating these attacks on unions, on teachers, on, uh, you know, um, all, all the institutions that we should be holding dear as a society. And um, they're doing it because uh, they are owned and the state policy think tanks are owned by wealthy donors who um, stand, you know, to profit from this kind of stuff. And it, it's really awful. I mean, if we don't stand up and and push back like they did in Wisconsin, like they did yeah. they've been trying to do in Ohio, like they've been trying to do in Florida. Um and Michigan you know, too. And mm-hmm. Michigan, oh my gosh. Oh yes, mm-hmm. I have a Michigan thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you know, if that if if we don't actually get out and stand up, they're gonna wreck this whole country. I mean they're gonna just completely screw every state in the union and you know, forget the federal government. The state will just be impossibly broken. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was uh, shocked to hear uh, a piece on NPR this morning about um, how a Republican assembly person in the state, you know, because the, because the state parks have no money. So he's got a bill to make it easier for private companies and and other organizations to give money to keep the state parks open. I mean, what is up with that? Um, It's, it's, you know, I'm happy for anybody to keep our parks open, but this is just crazy. So now we can see the the Koch Brothers Georgia Pacific sponsored park with all the lovely trees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it annoys you every time you see a corporate name on a stadium in a city. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. how annoyed you will be when you go to a state park and, you know, what, let's see, Yosemite is being one. Is, is that, well, Yosemite, I think, is a, is, a, is a national park. Oh, it is national. Okay, well, you know what? Yeah. My husband um, goes mountain bike riding in Sycamore Canyon. That's a state park. Yeah. Okay, and I think he would really be annoyed if it were the Anthem Blue Cross State <laughs> Park. I, I just think that would bug him. So, well, I just yeah. think seeing Anthem Blue Cross would just bug us as a matter of fact, you know, no matter where that is. Right. Because they've so, been such good corporate citizens in California. 
not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's also a little worrisome, and I just posted a very long piece by Rachel Tabashnik um, at Talk to Action. Um, she kindly gave me permission to repost on K-12 News Network, but she was highlighting there in huge detail, excruciating detail, how Betsy DeVos, who is the sister of Eric Prince of Blackwater Infamy, mm-hmm. um, and herself a longtime right-wing contributor to all kinds of causes, as I'm sure Carolee has come across her name many a time in, in her researches on, on the right, um, Betsy DeVos has been behind um, a lot of voucher legislation, which has been spreading like across the land. <laughs> um, I think they were threatened with a vote in Pennsylvania, and I think there are also efforts afoot in Indiana to vouchers on the system, uh, you know, passed, basically. And and it's been, um, I think, uh, Betsy DeVos's, um, uh front group is called, you know, Americans for Children or something innocuous like that, but it's actually very pernicious because it's been a long-time goal of the right to defund public education and instead, you know, shunt taxpayer dollars towards the voucher system, which more likely than not goes to funding, um, you know, religious education and, you know, just private schools that have some of which are legitimate and some of which have kind of dubious, you know, orientations or curricula or what have you. But really it's it vi- it's violating the sort of pr- bedrock principle that taxpayer dollars should go into taxpayer institutions which are universally accessible and benefit, you know, everyone, you know, that you that you that is there for you, right? That you you can right. send your child to a public school and, you know, without charge without additional charge, right, you, you that's taken care of. So um so it's it's really another way in which these kinds of shadowy, you know, donors are are shaping public policy in this really kind of disturbing way. Um and uh, you know, I I agree I agree with you absolutely, Carolee, that it seems like every public institution that we hold dear we have to fight, you know, yeah. on so many fronts to protect and to make the argument to, to the public once again why these things are worth keeping, you know, why we fought so hard for them in the first place and why they're worth keeping around, you know, we benefit from them. Right. And and it it the the argument has to center around privatization. There are some things that don't translate well into business. Education right. is one. That's right. right. Um medicine is another. Frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um our costs are high because there's these enormous, incredibly uh, obscene profits being pulled out of, of the health industry. Um, so, it, it, so those kinds of services, you know, I mean, police, fire, schools, um, health, they all aren't made for a business model. I mean, there's, there's just some things that don't go that way, and that mm-hmm. this is it. And and you're right. I mean, Betsy DeVos has been, um, she has put millions and millions, mm-hmm. as has her mother and her brother and a lot of others, into these different funds. Now, let me give you an example of how, I, I, I mean, I, I also maintain that in addition to being um, selfish, that Republicans are some of the meanest people on the planet, and 
it, in the, the Michigan debate um, over their budget, a Republican senator proposed that foster children should be limited to spending their little, little itty-bitty tiny stipend that they get for new clothes um, only in second-hand stores. Now, this thing, oh, I saw the- that. That was horrible. Yeah, but let me just say that this did get pulled. I, I want to make clear that this is not in the budget. It did get pulled. But but it's just illustrative of how mean they are. They, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with secondhand clothes if that's what you choose to buy, but why in why would, stipulate would purveyors that? of liberty force that? Yeah. Why would yeah. they force yeah. that? What, where yeah. is their liberty in that? Yes, yeah. That's just spitefulness. You know, it yeah. is. It's mean. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, what what cracks me up about how why it didn't end up in in the final is because a lot of businesses <laughs> complained that it was gonna <laughs> they were gonna lose money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rich. <laughs> well, <sighs> it might not be the purest reason why. That rule, that you know, proposed law should be shot down, but it is a reason. <laughs> uh, and I guess I'll, I guess I'll take the result over the law actually passing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. mind-boggling though that they would actually, that somebody would actually think of such a thing and try to write it into the budget. That, and and it was all around, you know, well, we give them debit cards that only work. At the Salvation Army or the you know Goodwill store or whatever, and I'm thinking, you know, what is this? What, what what liberty is there in this? You know, you hear so much about liberty and individual liberty and choices, and you know how privatization of everything will give you those choices. And I think this is authoritarian bull. Yeah. And and I think you know it just it's appalling to me that there really seems to be no. Um, kind of uh, line that they're not willing to cross in terms of civility or decency or sort of just general sort of human regard for other humans. And, you know, really, it's we're sort of reaching a Jonathan Swiftian kind of where satire just, you know, what it is, the the reality of what they propose is so absurd that it laps the the satire that you can make about it. I mean, if I were to say, oh, upon hearing about that only buy used clothing law, if I were to say, oh, and so if you're on SNAP, food stamps, that means you can only eat food that comes out of a dumpster, you know. I mean, it just, yeah. it, you try to, to make fun of it in its cruelty and ridiculousness and hatefulness, and it's like almost impossible to surpass the original proposal. You know, because the next day you find the joke actually being proposed. Exactly, and it's horrifying. It's really yeah. bad, really bad. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure what's overtaken a certain segment of our population, but it's this is just very ugly side to America and some Americans that's that's emerged. Well, I think it's the fear. Mm. I think it's that that things are not better. And in fear, people are willing to believe almost anything if they think it's going to make it better. And, you know, it's wearying. I know that I try to stay on top of what's going on, and 
I feel like we're getting hit on every front, mm-hmm. and it's wearying. And all I want to do is crawl into a hole and watch American Idol and not think about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, it's scary and and it makes me tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're you and ninety nine percent of the rest, you know, which is, a, it, 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 and me too. But it's what they want, so I refuse right. to give them yeah, satisfaction exactly. of um, that. You know, what they'd like is for us all to sort of just tune out and then get, you yeah. know, and and when they yank our chains to make us mad about something bad about government, then we all get mad, and then we go back into our hole again and check out, you know, and it's. That's what they want. They, they they get to do whatever they want that way, and I'm not willing to give them that um, freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think uh, that's why we're doing this show every week and why we take the time out and we're having this discussion. Yeah, and know? I think it's a struggle to really keep also from being purely reactive and to focus yeah. on, okay, what is the world then that we want to create and what is the budget that is more humane and also true to our values as a hopeful, optimistic, progress-oriented, forward-looking people, you know, yeah. and and to kind of hold tight to those things that we really do want to see and cherish and, you know, believe should should be long-standing institutions of, of our culture and our, you know, our nation. It's, it's hard not to get sucked into reactivity. Amen. Well, yeah. Amen to that. Especially yeah. when there, there's just you know billions of dollars being thrown into shaping messages mm-hmm. that um, are intended to create a reaction. I think you're right. I mean, it is getting ahead of that. That is the main thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I keep saying we gotta keep hammering on the fact that taxes aren't bad. That you know they're they're good things. That they pay for things that we all want. And you know when the polls are broken down, people want Medicare. They want yeah. that, and that yeah. you know, they they want social security, and they don't want social security at seventy two. They want it, you know, at um, whatever you know age they're mm-hmm. going to get it at, which for mm-hmm. me is going to be sixty seven already. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, they, these are things that people want, and and once you get frame it as you know. These, then if you want it, you have to pay for it because that's how we roll, right? You don't get it for free. Um, and I think we also need to it. remind people the taxes are now at historic lows or near historic lows. Yes. And right. and the government cannot function. I mean, do we really want an economy that is a Calvin Coolidge economy? We can't go back to that. And yet that seems to be what the the goal of the GOP and the people who own them is. I've decided to call taxes revenue. Yeah, <laughs> you know, cause it's a nicer because word. You well, because and it's also factual because you cannot yeah. operate on reductions alone. You need revenue. You need revenue, and right. when and when your population increases as it it does, then you need to have a kind of concomitant revenue that will support you know existing, if not increased, services. Well, I'm a big believer in following what's been very successful for the Republicans, and that is to use language in a way to make something that is totally unpalatable seem palatable. Um, You know, the way that they christened the estate tax, the death tax, um, 
I think revenue is wonderful because you're right. That is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really quickly, um, to, to sort of uh, change the subject slightly, but um, going back to something we talked about earlier, I'm seeing something that's kind of coming across email um, with regard to Nicole Sandler, uh, the one who was arrested at Allen West's um, town oh. hall. Yes. Uh, apparently, she's being held um at the Broward County Jail on $25 bond for uh, violating some sort of municipal or city ordinance. I'm not really clear. I don't think we have, like, the full details yet, but apparently she's being held in jail, of all places, for simply yeah, trying to exercise her. Oh, please tell us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just got it in. Um, okay, so the bail's been posted, but they mm-hmm. haven't let her out yet. Uh-huh. And um, the reason that they were able to arrest her at all is because the town hall was on private property. Um, uh-huh. And, so, yeah, so basically um, if it had been public property, she would not have been arrested. They would not have been able to. But because it was, I believe it was probably the Calvary Chapel Church, um, they, they were able to arrest her. Um, and, but what's disturbing to me is the fact that her bond's been posted, but she's not out of jail. Yeah, yet. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's very um, true. Yeah. And since yeah, when does a giant tax-exempt organization like the church become private property? <laughs> Just as a side question, I know no one. It's a rhetorical one. Don't answer. <laughs> I know. If it if it um, is the church, I, I need to be clear on yeah, that. Yeah, I know that there yeah. were church people helping, but I'm not. I can't necessarily guarantee it was a church. So mm-hmm. I, I check that. Okay. Um, well, but, anyway, yeah. we're down to our last five minutes or so, Carolee. Okay. The floor is so, yours. Yes, yesterday on um, on Fox News, Sarah Palin asked this the, the following question. If I can hold on a second, I gotta get it because you you caught me off guard here. I was looking. Oh, for sorry. More. <laughs> <laughs> so just gotta click into it because I have a post coming up on this shortly, but it will be a little bit. All right. So so having been hosed on the birther issue, which they now have. All right. Um, she goes on Fox News and she asks this question. What the heck is wrong with asking the President of the United States to disclose what his college thesis was, what some of the um, uh, Harvard Law Review papers were that he wrote? I don't care about his grades. I love this. <laughs> I don't care if he was a C student. More power to the C students. Well, that's because, you know, she was one. Um, anyway, <laughs> what I care about is what goes into his thinking today, what is his foundation? From his background, a lot of that could be reflected in the writings he produced as a college and a grad student. So I'm going to assume for the sake of argument that a woman who attended four universities in six years before she managed to get a journalism degree from the last one probably doesn't have a lot of academic writing laying around that she could produce. However, she pays consultants almost $60,000 a month. She pays right, yes. She pays right-wing policy consultants. She pays uh, ghostwriters. She pays a right-wing journalist. Um, So my challenge to Sarah is that she produces what she's learning and what's forming her thinking today from the people that she's shelling out $60,000 a month to. And if she can't do that, then she needs to shut her trap about the president's <laughs> academic record. That's all. 
I think that's you phenomenal. Know, I yeah, I I yeah. join you in your request for information. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think that's really interesting that she's spending so much money on all these consultants and and people to kind of preach you, you know, information for her. Right. Yeah, I, and yeah. give it to her in in, you know, baby pablum bites that she can then spew out on Fox News. Mhm. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, it's enough already. It, it's sixty thousand dollars a month is an obscene amount of money to be paying consultants to um, basically, you know, these are people in think tanks, and uh, you know they're already getting paid. So, mm-hmm. really, what is the point here other than to to fund more of that, and and for her to um, to suggest that President Obama. It is not, you know, was not legitimate academically. Following on to Donald Trump, <laughs> you know, is is just uh, she needs to produce some of her own academic work. And if she can't do that, then she can tell us what she's learning from these high paid consultants. Wow, I think that's a great idea. I would, yeah. I welcome transparency in her intellectual biography. And continuous <laughs> development, such as it is. Let's see it. Show yeah. your work. <laughs> show your work, you know. If you want us to do the math, then let's see you show the work, you know. Right. Exactly, because, you know, she can't. I'm sure that, that if she could get into Harvard, she could save a lot of money. Um, it's not $60,000 a month to attend Harvard. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sarah Palin overpaying for you know uh, Stanley Kaplan prep. Exactly, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> hey Sarah, you know, don't you know you can kind of get like the Cliff's Notes and you know there's like all kinds of test prep people who just do it for a whole lot less. <laughs> well. Oh, I like okay. that. We get to end the show on an up note today. <laughs> oh, by making that fun of people. Was, well, you know, Sarah's a perennial, you know, mm. and it's, you know, it's well, nice she, to be laughing instead of being outraged. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I like that. <laughs> um, that's about it for our show this week. Do you want to talk we'll to be back about who's going to be on? Next well, week? next I was going to. Oh, yes, we're going to be back next week with okay. special guest Gina McCauley of Blogging While Brown, WhatAboutOurDaughters.com, and Michelle Obama Watch. And, um, you know, in the meantime, we hope that you will visit our website at Mommacrats.com. Keep seeing our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Mommacrats. And I'd like to thank Cinematic and Carolee. I'm Donna Schwartz-Mills, and I'm saying goodbye for the Mamacrats. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Oh, and Bubble Genius. Thanks, BubbleGenius.com, for giving us another week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.